You are listening to the Short Combos Podcast. Boom, and we're live. Welcome, guys, to the Short Combos Podcast. Uh, I am Az Mirali and my co-host... JC, I'm going to represent Too Fast You Cashman today. Uh, as I feel like uh, we, we need to explain for those at home or in a car listening on uh, on an actual podcast audio, uh, we're actually dressed in uh, karate gi, so I have a white gi following the females in black. As I feel being a martial arts special, we need to bow in. Uh, I know people aren't going to get that. Hands by our sides. Yeah, people are not going to get that on a uh, on an audio one, but... Yeah, I, 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 think, I think people actually listening or watching on YouTube need to bow in now as well. So they, yes, they please. Should Speak together, hands by your sides, eyes forward. You know the deal. <laughs> I hope you got the bell ready. The, well, we need the bell. Do we need the bell? I think the whole thing's the bell. Yeah, yeah, the whole thing's Good. the bell. So. We'll start with the bell nonetheless. Uh, dichotomy, just to pull off on last week, uh, I was correct. Dichotomy is two ideas that are opposing or appear opposing uh, and therefore need to be, such as the dichotomy of people believing that martial artists are all violent, but we're actually some of the nicest people you'll ever meet. There so you go. There you go. go. And that's something I'm sure we're, we're, we'll have a short convo about today. I haven't actually followed up on my short convo notes, as, so we'll uh, I'll leave that week. for next week. Yeah, seeing as we, we were going with a a theme this week. So have you got the bell? The bell is ready. We are doing this week, guys, a martial arts special. So we usually fire the bell or dong the bell, however you call it, uh, when we bring up martial arts, because uh, I think there's only been possibly one podcast we've done without mentioning martial arts. Yeah, maybe two if we count the jaddy one, but actually that probably came up in there too. Yeah. We just didn't have the bell ready then, did we? It wasn't kind of appropriate on that one. Say lovey. Well, martial arts episode. So I was thinking about this when, when you messaged to say, oh, let's do this and that. And I was thinking, where, where do you start? You know, where, mm. where do you begin? So I'd like to begin. I, I, for myself, I, martial arts is a way of life. And I know that any martial arts instructor or someone that, you know, pursues martial arts to the degree that we do would understand that. We'll get that. It's a way of life. And I think uh, people that uh, know nothing about martial arts, have never done martial arts, that will be listening to this, uh, understand that by that I mean eat, sleep and breathe martial arts. Uh, a couple of uh, years ago, I was awarded the Spirit of Martial Arts Award. Uh, not like following my trumpet up my ass or anything, uh, but when we, when I was awarded, uh, there were some kind things that were said and everything. And my wife said uh, that uh, I've got like a deep-rooted passion for the martial arts. I've, you know, pursued it as a career with the teaching, competing, uh, and the coaching. And uh, it's uh, the the Latin word she used, uh, spirali, which means uh, to breathe. Uh, literally, martial arts to me is, is a way of life. It, it is breathing. Uh, how how would you uh, sum up your your martial arts uh, as? For me, martial arts in, in its personal relationship to me, it's been my savior. Uh, that's how I see it as being. When, when I think of the way my life would have gone had I had not found martial arts, uh, I, I, I shudder uh, at the thought <laughs> because uh, similar to you, it's, it's brought me almost everything 
that I have, my career, my job, my partner, my friends, uh, the majority of the, the great things and people in my life have come from the martial arts. So for me, uh, it's, it's my savior. Uh, and in the same way, it's become now a way of life. It's, it's every day, it's all day, uh, even just other activities, it somehow blends into it. I, I can't think of life without martial arts. Mm. I can think of my first lesson. I can remember going to martial arts. Uh, so that started in 1986 when, uh, uh, I can't remember if this was before or during, but it was around the time of the Karate Kid movie. Uh, and I had some Karate Kid action figures that I was playing with. And my dad was like, oh, we're gonna go out. He didn't actually tell me what we were doing. I don't know if that was his ploy to stop me turning around and saying, I don't do it or something. <laughs> uh, but he was like, oh, we're gonna, we're gonna go out for a drive or however he put it. And then thus the martial art uh, journey began. Uh, yeah. I can remember martial arts not consuming all of life. I can actually remember weekends where it wasn't martial arts related. Uh, we were, I've always practiced martial arts, but for the largest percentage of my life, massively now, it has been all, all breathing, sleeping, eating. Uh, you, yourself, what, how, how would you explain martial arts uh, to, because you know, I'm trying to think, how, where do we start with, with martial arts, how would you explain it to someone not a martial artist? Yeah, it's definitely, I think what people who don't do martial arts don't understand is it's so much more than kicking and punching or choke holds and arm bars, depending on which style you want to work on. So I think the first thing that you'd, I'd always want people to understand uh, is that it's a way of, like we said, it's a way of life. And there's so much more to it than learning how to throw a kick or throw a punch or even to get fit. Uh, and really the, the largest impact it has on, on myself and on people we teach and interact with is it's not necessarily the, the physical stuff you learn, but it's the way it develops your character. So I think what it affects you as a, how it affects you as a person is the most dramatic part of of what martial arts is. Uh, the, the word Budo and the idea of the way of the warrior uh, and how that kind of translates into the modern martial arts and the way we train now. And uh, what, what would you, uh, well, uh, enlighten us with your, your journey in martial arts. Like I said, I can't remember life without martial arts. You saying it's like your savior. So uh, what was your, yeah. your it, journey? It came a little later for me. I, I wanna say it was 1998. Uh, is when I first walked into your classes with you and your dad, Tony. And I was brought to your classes for two reasons. One was as a last resort because I had done every other sport under the sun, every other activity you can imagine, and nothing stuck. I tried everything for a few weeks and then uh, just refused to, to go back. I was a real just brat when I was little when it came to stuff like that. And my parents, bless them, uh, I mean, I'm, I appreciate of it now, but they were very easy to roll over and just let me give up on things when I look back on it. Uh, the second reason and the reason martial arts specifically came up is my parents at the time were going through their divorce and I had started acting out. So I'd started, I was never a violent kid, but I started acting violently and lashing out and being more aggressive than, than what was in my nature. So they were trying to find somewhere to channel it and put it into. 
which 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 led me to you guys and led me to training. So again, even even back then, it was a savior from from kind of the demons that I was facing trying to grow up and uh, living through that situation with my parents. And it helped, did it? Did it help short term, long term? Uh, I mean, say? yeah, instant. It was an instant fix. Uh, my behavior just instantly got better uh and then i found it and fell in love with it and you know it then i just had somewhere to put everything and it was it was just such a effective funnel for negative energy and anger and stress and and then it became even better than that it became a happy place it became somewhere i went to to feel good feelings because uh, i i started to develop confidence and i started to believe in myself and those things started to be instilled in me so it, it's yeah the, the list goes on in terms of what it did but the the early stages it i think it was quite a dramatic effect it gave me something that my my upbringing just wasn't going to give me i was not going to get that from my family surrounding so my martial arts family gave me something that i don't think i would have kind of received otherwise i think it could quite easily this podcast turn into a martial arts promo and uh, yes. like you, you could <laughs> you could cut that and easily put it on facebook as a as a promo even though it's you know coming from the heart and everything uh i, I would say uh, with my martial arts journey again when, when we said we were going to do this i started thinking about it i've uh, i'd like to say i've had quite a diverse martial art journey and uh, from the point of view i've not studied lots of styles i don't hold a black belt in 10 different styles you know my traditional style is the karate the kickboxing is the sport the more modern uh, aspect of it and then you know fitness and all the things that have uh, tagged on along the way i practice with weapons and uh, every self-defense and every such like of the angle of martial arts i practice in kung fu and that but i haven't necessarily studied each long term like some people uh, as we know have come to the club who have dabbled in a bit of everything got to a brown belt in a bit of everything they haven't kind of stuck it through or there has been some that have got a black belt in this black belt in that and uh, and do stick it through you know that's part of their goal uh, but what i feel fortunate to have done uh, and to travel uh, around a lot of europe and a lot of the states as well is trained with lots of different people uh, in recent times, it's been a lot more sport-based and uh, competitive-based, but quite often those sports people have a root in traditional martial art as well. Uh, but I've also seen, I think, I think the best way for me to sum up martial arts, uh, a friend, we were traveling in Italy, again, it was uh, training or competing or a bit of both, and uh, he summed up really well. Grillo said, it's like a musical instrument and you can play so many songs off of it. You can, you know, you can just do so much with it. And uh, I've, uh, my early days, I would say was much more the traditional martial arts. And uh, my, my heritage goes back to, uh, our heritage goes back to Danny Connor uh, with the, the traditional side, the instructors I trained with, uh, trained, I haven't myself yet been to the East, to train in the you know the the traditional uh, arts out there but my friends uh, my instructors uh, they had trained out there and you know brought back that knowledge it was very much a traditional upbringing in martial arts and much more a study and uh, in more recent times I dabbled with that in self-defense as well or say sort of mid times where you were learning martial arts purely as a study and nothing more more than that it was just a 
for a belt. Uh, and then, like nowadays, uh, a lot of the focus is tournaments. A lot of the weekend practice and uh, time is spent uh, tournaments and competing related. And that, that's been a, a fantastic journey. And uh, I've also found like there's just so much to it. I've also trained with really nice people, really good martial artists. And I've also trained with really horrible people who are also really good martial artists. And uh, non-sport related, uh, I can remember training with someone and the reason he trained was to perfect his skill to go out at weekends and beat people up uh, when he went out to the pub. That, that was, he was straight up, he's like, I'm learning this so I, I can go out, I can pick a fight. Uh, I can remember as a kid just being amongst adults and hearing him saying that. And then I, I've trained with some people that are criminals and uh, they're, they're, they're really on that side of things, not nice people, uh, or you know, wrongfully doing people, uh, but they were really fantastic martial artists. Uh, so it, yeah, it's really, really diverse the martial arts, isn't it? It is, yeah. I mean, the, the, the biggest thing that it becomes is it becomes a community around you, uh, and then an extended family. And you've got people who are in your, your inner circle that you interact with all the time, like ourselves. Uh, and then you've got these people who you go and visit and maybe you see them once a year, maybe you see them once a decade, but there's a relationship there based on, I guess, a mutual appreciation of something. You both, you both have this common ground. And like you said, you can be from two completely different ends of the world. You could have very different upbringings, uh, but you can find this common ground and this common appreciation for something. And I think that's one of the most beautiful things about martial arts is it's, it's not biased in that sense. Anyone, any color, any creed, any sexual orientation, uh, you can all take part in it. And uh, you made me think actually of a time, um, my dad and I before having a dojo and everything, uh, we, because we, I didn't have, actually have a permanent dojo uh, with dad, it was since he's passing, but uh, we used to train at weekends in squash courts uh, because they were cheap, easy uh, methods of getting a space because all you needed is a space. I can remember this time, Bubish uh, squash court. Uh, it used to be quite funny actually when people knocked on the door uh, with, or we were knocking on the door to go in and they'd open the door and you're going into squash courts fully padded up and gear on it. It's like, you're playing a serious game of squash in there. <laughs> but I can remember this time, Dad and I were, were, were training and quite often we'd leave the door open, just it would help with ventilation. And uh, we'd pause, you know, that drink break, turn around, and there was a guy standing at the door. Quite often there would be just watching. He didn't speak a word of English, and he kind of signaled, was it all right to come in? He came in, uh, he, he, like, in a broken kind of English, said, oh, can we spar? But that gave him his glove. I sparred for him for a couple of minutes, we exchanged some kicks and punches, we bowed touch gloves, he said thank you and went off. And it was like, looking back, it was the most bizarre thing. We didn't, didn't even introduce names. Uh, I'm pretty sure we didn't even cross names, where he was from or anything. We literally came in and we sparred. And I, I've had that conversation another time, number of times with people where uh, you only know some people from from that fighting dynamic. Like from yes. back in the days competing, there's some people I only recognize with a head guard on. 
Yes. I only recognize, <laughs> I don't recognize them without a head guard. Still uh, to this like, day at tournaments, I have that experience. Yeah, and like kids see you and they're like, oh my gosh, in Tesco's they see you and they're like, you're not, you're real, you're in civilian clothes. <laughs> have you had any of those kind of experiences, As? I, I, I have it all the time at tournaments where, uh, especially now with our kids competing and you start to get used to their opponents and the people that they match up against. And then you see them running around in their streets or just without their, their head guard on and you just can't, you don't recognize them. And then they put their gear on. It's like, oh, no, I know who you are now. I know your name. I know, I know what stance you fight in. I know your favorite techniques, but you take that head guard off and you just become a, you become a stranger to me. And yeah, it's, it's interesting. You talk about people running into you in the streets when you're not in martial art gear. It's kind of like, it reminds me of when you're back at school and you'd see one of your teachers outside of school. And it was a bit of a bizarre experience because you're like, oh yeah, you're a, you're a human. You're not just always in a, in a, in a gi training. So yeah, that very similar experience with that stuff of, and that, that's the beauty of it that you can have not, a, not a fake persona, but like an identity in martial arts that's a part of who you are. Uh, like for yourself with the too fast for you thing, my understanding and my interactions with too fast for you Cashman are very different to uh, warrior of light Cashman and my friend, JC Cashman. Uh, too fast for you is, he's a mean dude. <laughs> <to him. laughs> yeah, that different, different energies on, the, on that one. Uh, it's interesting that we talk about we, we come both from striking arts, uh, but a lot of people who might pick up on this and listen to this might come more from the grappling side of things. So your judo, your jujitsu. Did you have much experience with those ones growing up? Yeah, I did. Uh, again, with the sports side of things, you and the different clubs that we trained with, like my, uh, my father and I, I think some people rather could go through martial arts or maybe even the majority of people that go through their martial arts career, be it six months to 60 years, could stay with the same school and the same system. And uh, we mix now with a lot of people competitively, but our practices are is our own system. Uh, but my dad and I, uh, or led by my dad, uh, went and trained with a lot of people. We sought out on the sports side of things, training with a lot of people, just because uh, he was a world champion. A lot of people didn't realize uh, until my dad's passing that he didn't actually start martial arts until he was in his 40s. Uh, that, we started together, he, right? Yeah, yeah. Everyone presumed that, you know, dad was Mr. Miyagi who trained in Japan and, you know, <laughs> he's half Oriental, half uh, Native American and uh, all of that. But yeah, no, he, he, he grew up, he was uh, a keen footballer, that was going to be his profession, be a professional footballer, uh, he was an electrician, he played volleyball, uh, you know, he, he, he had a, uh, for a better word, a usual life. Uh, and then, yeah, he got into martial arts at 40 and then, you know, uh, pursued, you know, the, the journey that, that, that brought him to being a, you know, I'd like to refer him as our grandmaster now and a world-recognised referee and, uh, you know, he competed internationally uh, himself uh, on all those things. So, yeah, we mixed with a lot of people and even though we were training in 
the sports side, there was always a little bit of a crossover to Kung Fu or Jiu Jitsu or yeah, you, you had an influence. But my main practice came uh, in small circle Jiu Jitsu uh, with Leon Jay and uh, actually graded to a brown belt uh, with himself. And that was week in, week out. I, I couldn't put a time frame on it actually. I'd have to look back. I, I reckon about five years practice where week in, week out, it was uh, Jiu Jitsu basically in more of a self-defense uh, system rather than a sporting system or, or an yeah. MMA system. So I'm practiced. I wouldn't say I'm an expert. I don't advertise that we uh, teach uh, jiu-jitsu or any of those aspects, uh, but I've got enough to lead a class on it or I've got enough to say I know something about, about that kind. Uh, we used to practice that and then do our sport afterwards and quite often uh, a couple of the guys would come in and join us for the benefits of both. Uh, you, yourself? It's something that I've, I mean, I've trained under you in terms of the small circle and it's something that I've picked up and, and always really enjoyed in terms of things like small joint manipulation. Uh, and, you know, like you said, from more of a sport, uh, self-defense point of view than how to win a sporting event or win a sport. And maybe we'll get onto that later in terms of the difference between the sport and the, the, the more traditional aspects of stuff. Uh, but something that Brazilian jiu-jitsu is something that I've kind of been discovering and finding more recently. With everything that's gone on in the world now, it's all had to basically go on pause because... Uh, bless them that's really not something you can do on yeah. zoom uh, so I've not been doing it recently but I have found a local school and I've I've enjoyed going back in as a white belt after a very long time of being an instructor and being the person at the front of the class uh, and now going back to somewhere where I've got a very shallow depth of knowledge uh, and I'm kind of open to receive and learn a lot of new things so that's been really interesting because it's just a completely it's the same world, but it's a completely different set of things. There's a lot of stuff where there's parallels, like they still talk about timing, they still talk about distance management, and all of these principles are the same, but you're, you're almost speaking in a different language because now it's all about leverage and holds and uh, where you can grip things and what's, what's the strongest positions. So some things change, some things are the same. The, the reason I asked you about the, the grappling, someone we both know, they will remain nameless uh, for this one, but they're very respected in our uh, circle, the, the stand-up game. I asked them about it once and they said, no, I'm not into the man-hugging. Uh, I'm not a fan of the man-hugging. And it, it just made me laugh because I, I think it's interesting how the sport has developed in general with the introduction of things like mixed martial arts and MMA and UFC. And it's now started to blend styles together. So you're seeing a lot more now of the crossover between things like the grappling and the stand-up rather than them being two separate entities. Yeah, I can remember when UFC first came out. Uh, I even got the tape of UFC 1 uh, yeah. somewhere on, on VHS. And uh, those early ones, it was, you had a karate dude in a karate Indeed, suit. Yeah. You had a boxer with boxing gloves on. You had a sumo guy. You had someone that did monkey style. You had the Gracie brothers in, in uh, uh, kimonos for the jiu-jitsu. It was literally, okay, this match, we have jiu-jitsu versus, uh, you know, uh, boxing. And let's see what's going to happen. It, it, it was very much that. And mm. I think 
quite soon, uh, like the Gracie family obviously dominated early on, and uh, quite soon the stand-up martial art uh, realised that they had no defence against that. Once someone was inside, you know, and they were taken down, it was game over. And then I think they evolved the ability to be able to sort of block that off, and then striking all of a sudden became, you needed to be able to strike, because if someone, if you couldn't, uh, grapple someone down or if you couldn't get them down they'd, they'd take you out with strikes and it I haven't really followed the martial art the, the MMA world uh, in depth I, I wouldn't say I'm a, I'm a fan of that side of the sport of martial arts uh, but it seems to have gone you know full circle a few times yeah what I found so interesting about it was exactly what you said about grapplers learning they needed to strike and strikers learning they needed to at least have an answer for grapplers is I'd say if you look at martial arts in terms of its evolution, there's been before pre-UFC, there was almost like a lull in its evolution. And then the UFC where it introduced this whole idea of, well, let's actually figure out which style is superior, best, yeah. what works the best. I think we've seen the largest evolution in martial arts in its, you know, since its kind of creation in a very long time. And I think it's in this recent period. And the same for our striking styles. I would say, you know, the, the kickboxers of the 80s would be destroyed by the kickboxers of the 2020s, uh, just simply because of the evolution of the sport and the evolution of our understanding of it. Oh yeah, hell yeah. And uh, where when you say destroyed in just, uh, I, I don't think you mean just in a technical sense, i.e. if you stood two people up uh, in an octagon and fought each other, but I think you mean in just a, uh, a technical and uh, however you put it together in terms of sporting mm. Terminology-wise, like I still teach the traditional art. I still teach your Junzukis, your Gakazukis, and uh, Bob Sykes, you know, editor of MAI, he's trained with everyone. He was doing uh, a bit of Kushanku the other day, and uh, I had to uh, tag him in our own practice because of the way he was practicing it. So there's still connection to the traditional side, but yes. because of the benefits that that gives with your discipline, your self-control and all, all of those kind of things. Uh, I think we're long past, so you do see it occasionally, these schools that are teaching, someone attacks you, do a junzuki, and it's like, nah, mate, we're, we've moved on from that honour fighting, haven't we, kind of thing. Yeah, we have, we have. I think that that's a real interesting thing that's happened recently is the the call out of the McDojos and the exposure of a lot of fake martial artists where they because this stuff was so foreign to everyone, people could almost get away with just packaging you a load of bull and telling you that this was, you know, the most dangerous style, the most effective way to defend yourself. But I guess with the introduction of the internet and everyone having such access to information, it's just debunked an awful lot of that recently and I think that's where a lot of people's kind of pre-associations with it is is you know I, I still remember for the longest time I'd say to someone I'm a martial artist and their first response would be yeah. that would just be the thing that they go to because that's you know that's what they think of when it when they come to it and I think a lot of that comes from you know people almost doing a disservice to the martial arts by taking advantage of of people who were less less aware less educated on it Oh yeah, my, most definitely. And uh, you can, like I was going to say, 
like one thing we've not spoken about is the career side of martial arts as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I can recall, like I'm sounding like I've got all this depth knowledge. I I have, I've done it a long time, but I'm I'm not the the, the master of it all. There's people that do martial arts far longer than I've even been alive. Uh, but I have been around long enough to see evolution of things such as MMA wasn't a, a thing. Uh, I, I can remember that. And uh, the the dojo and the dojo, I've seen the evolution of that. Okay, I've seen the evolution of people making it into a career. Uh, the club that we, first, my father first started with, uh, they, they ran martial arts as a full-time business. I think people have in this country for a long time, forever have as well. Well, they did, uh, as an example. But there's definitely been an evolution on the on the career and the business side of things as a martial art it, it, it's big business it's big business yes. as well i think that's where and I, it's the same with anything isn't it it can get tainted if you want yeah. it to uh because you can uh, if you allow money to be the driving force behind it then maybe the ethics or the morals of what you're teaching then take a take a back seat and I then that's where that can go wrong yeah, and then you can also turn around and say there's no one regulating body for it all as well. Mm. Uh, there's not one person, one group or such that we all answer to. And I don't think it would be a good thing necessarily if we would, because I think whoever that one person could have a lot of dominance over a lot of things that wouldn't be beneficial for everyone. Um, you see that issue in other sports that do yeah. have that large governing yeah. body. But we have a governing body in what we do with a stand up with the wacko. And, you know, they, you only have to look at that portfolio. They're, you know, 170 odd countries around the world. Like, you, know, you don't have to rattle it off. But there, there's genuine, you know, uh, ownership to what, what we're following and what we're abiding by and everything else. And then, you know, you, you don't have to name drop, but it's the people that you practice with and the recognition you get from people who have, have a standing. You know, I think there's some clubs out there, all due respect, they compete against each other. They don't compete against anyone else. And that, you know, Tom Dick Harry, world champion, beating that club kind of thing. There, there's a lot of that going around. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, it's the whole, if you can't beat the big fish in the big ponds, just find yourself another pond, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you see that in a lot. But I think, like you said, where, where things are not as governed under one umbrella, you're going to get that a little bit more with, with the martial arts. And to say you're a world champion, it, it carries a level of prestige that everyone can, would aspire to and want. And Same as the black belt, isn't it? Yes, yeah, exactly. And there's so many places that will give you a black belt or, you know, basically let you buy a black belt. But there's a very big difference between two black belts. And again, someone who wasn't versed in martial arts, they would see someone who's a black belt and just assume a level of proficiency and understanding. Yeah. Uh, but the, the reality is two black belts could be very, very different people with very different experiences. Yeah. And then, you know, it, there, it's always been kind of brought up, what is the best style? That's always been the best, you know, the, the ever, everlasting conversation uh, and question. Uh, I feel the best answer to that is it's not about style at the end of the day. I believe it comes down to the instructor. It comes down to the heritage of the club. That's what, what the best is. It doesn't really matter if you're teaching 
kickboxing, karate, jiu-jitsu, any of the you know traditional arts or any of the MMA modern stuff. I, I think it's uh, down to the instructor. I think that's where the value is. You're, you might prefer your man hugging. You might prefer your pajama wearing. You might prefer your uh, tickling each other on a, on a tatami. Whatever your preferences of, of your diverse martial arts, I think it's the instructor there that carries where the quality is. Yeah, I 100% agree. You know, that's one of the questions I get asked the most by people who inquire uh, to our school, because again, they're coming from a place of not having a clue. So you're kind of their first point of contact to get any information. And you'd be amazed that they'll actually ask you, what do you think is the best style for my kid? And you're like, well, you know, you've called a kickboxing <laughs> school. You know, what I should say is, this one, you found it, first time, good job. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's, that's basically the conversation I always have. I say, look, your, your kid's not gonna know the difference because they have no point of reference. What they're gonna recognize is when they walk in, do they get on with the person who's teaching them? Do they feel there's a value to what they're there doing? Because really that at the end of the day now is what it all comes down to. We're, we're no longer doing martial arts to defend our village. You know, so if you're doing it now, it's uh, it's something a bit different. I think the the approach has changed. Yeah, ma massively. Uh, I think uh, the the it came up earlier. I thought to mention it. I think the one of the biggest things that I've taken and continued to take uh, from martial arts, or it has given me, is the schooling. Uh, I didn't personally do too well at school, uh, as in I did no further education, I didn't come out with, you know, an A list of grades with opportunity or that kind of thing. I didn't even want to looking back. I just had a quite negative, I suppose, uh, experience with school. As uh, martial arts has been my school and every day I pretty much I well I say every day I learn something because of the martial arts. Martial arts I learn something in the sport. I learn something uh, in the mind. I learn something about someone. Or uh, I, it, it's it's been the best school tool I could ever ever ask for. I'm, I'm hungry for information, even after however many years of doing martial arts. So I'll, I'll teach something now uh, that I've done. I think I need and I've done. I couldn't even do the math on it, probably millions, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands for sure times. And every time I do it, I, I learn, I can learn something. I think that's a beautiful tool to the martial arts. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's funny you bring that up because I can speak to the other side of that. I, I actually did pretty well at school, went all the way through it, got a degree uh, and all of that stuff. But what I never got from school at any stage was any form of satisfaction and it wasn't because I wasn't, you know, wasn't good at it or I struggled at it. I did fine. I got A's. I got, I got all the papers and the rest of it. But when I went to martial arts and got shown a new technique or, you know, landed a head kick in sparring, the feeling of just self-gratification and, and just, the, just the goodness that came from that was just uncomparable. Uh, and that was always something where I just knew you know, no matter how much I study and go to school, I'm not going to get the same feedback loop that I seem to get from doing this. 
Uh, and now it extends beyond your training to the way you teach, because I know you experience this all the time, when now your students are kicking people in the head, it's the exact same sensation as when you kicked them in the head. When your students get to the top of the podium, uh, it's that same thing because you've been a small but part of that journey with them. So it just carries on with you through your whole, through your whole journey with it, through your practice and then through your teaching and then through the next generation to the next. Yeah, massively. So as you do all of this teaching, like, you, you know, when we are out of this whole COVID situation, which uh, it's nice this podcast to be relevant with or without that right now, wouldn't it? whenever yeah. anyone listens to it. Uh, but you, you'd be teaching, you know, most nights a week and everything. What would you do as your main job? <laughs> exactly that that's exactly it yeah that isn't that a question you get asked all the time people can't seem to comprehend that that this would be your main job i get it asked a lot i think because i don't have a full-time premises as well uh, i don't know if you get asked this i'm assuming you don't get asked this anymore i haven't had it for a while no uh, i probably every year there's at least one that drops in uh, yeah drops in yeah, I'm still operating out of, of community centers and halls. So I think for a lot of people, they still believe that this is my, my part-time gig. And uh, then you explain your numbers and how many people you, you teach. And they kind of go, oh, okay. oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah, but I mean, that's the other side of it. If for anyone who is listening and interested in doing this as a career, I think it's important to preface it with, if you want to teach martial arts as a career, understand that you're going to spend 80% of your time not teaching martial arts for a career in terms of all the other stuff it takes to give you the opportunity to then be in that moment to teach, which is a great moment, but there's a lot to it, isn't there? Uh, yeah, you said people don't necessarily ask me what other job I do, but I have more often people say, oh, it must be great at your dojo. You just must be able to train all day, every day. You just must get up and just train and uh, you eat. See, the kids think I live there and uh, it's like, no, I, I, I have to do quite a bit to, to be able to open the door for you to come and train, actually. Yeah, you end up wearing a lot of hats, but yeah. it's worth it for the hour where you are on the mats with everyone yeah. doing doing the thing. And I think that's what it's what it's all about, isn't it? Is everything else is kind of what what's that? What's your dad's line? The wire. Oh, life's on the wire. The rest is just floating by. Exactly. So I think that kind of sums that up is uh, everything we do is to make sure that we get to step on those mats and get to yeah. spend that time doing that because that's where that's where living happens. Yeah. You, you, a few things you said there made me think uh, about what, where we'd like to see martial arts uh, maybe in, how long has MMA been around now or the UFC? It's got 93, I think it started. 93. 91 yeah. or 93, I believe, was the first one. Well, yeah, I was going to say 20 plus years or so. Well, yeah. Where would we like to see martial arts in 20 years? Like, you know, you could say that's mainstream now. Uh, mm -hmm. It's, you, you've not got so much of the hi uh, dojo esque attitude. Uh, that's the wrong way of putting it. The, yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, what we just spoke I about. Do. Where, the, the kung fu -y yeah, stuff. Not to yeah. take anything away from kung fu as a, no, as no, a star. But just itself. using it as a, yeah, the, the white pyjama stuff. Your Jim yeah. Perry type uh, moment. Yeah. Where, where would you, what, or what do you think martial arts deserves or where, where would you like to see it in 20, 30 years? My big thing, and I do think we're moving closer to it, is I think everyone 
at some point in their life should do a martial art. Uh, and again, whatever style you want, whatever you think, I think that it's, it's one of the most powerful things you can do for yourself in, in so many different ways. So I would love it to get to a point where it's just one of those things that everyone at some point in their life takes part in, whether it be for a few months, a few weeks or a few years, that would be what I'd like to see for, for martial arts, because I just think it brings so many benefits. And I'm sure other sports and other things do as well. But in my personal experience, whether it be learning how to defend yourself or learning how to just carry yourself uh, and then all the others of getting in good shape and learning to be disciplined and learning to having respect. I just think it covers a lot of bases. So I'd love to see it more worldwide accepted uh, and a little less feared by, by people who, who know less of what it is. Yeah. You? Yeah. Me, I, I would like to see recognition for the sport. Yes. Uh, I, I've grown up, uh, I, I grew, again, I'm not an old man, but I grew through my youth uh, in martial arts. And I've got to a point now where I'm seeing people that were like my idols growing up, you know, they're, they're 20, 10, 20 uh, plus years older than me now. And they're not in a good way physically. Uh, like they're, they're quite knackered with their hips, knees. You could kind of look back at some of the training we did as how it's evolved and things, but they're, they're not in a great shape. Uh, some of them aren't in a great place uh, financially and all that kind of thing. And it would just be nice to see some of those people looked after by, by the system for a better word. Uh, they, they deserve a bit of time on uh, the celebrity sports show. They deserve a bit of time here and there to make their way. I just like to see the, the martial arts more recognised as a, as a thing and the martial artist more recognised as a thing. Because going back to the schooling, uh, like I think our, our culture in England, our, uh, our interaction with one another, parents to children and everything, I think it's got really ugly uh, at times. And I think the martial arts brings something to that, which, like you said, everyone could do with everyone could do with learning to show respect to carry yourself in a respectful way uh, so that's why these people need recognition so yeah martial arts right be it olympics be it you know on mainstream i, I don't know where it's going to come from but just a bit more recognition even just sport in england for instance recognition yeah. with martial arts would be a would be a good thing i like that if you were to bring one martial art memory like your I, I won't call it your best because i'm sure there's just more than you're even willing to count but one that springs to mind if you wouldn't mind share us one of your favorite oh. memories from the martial arts or from your time in the martial arts i'm gonna have to say you go first you throw that fine. at me I, so, I, 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 so I, it gives me a minute to have to think about it i was ready anyway so I will, yeah I, will go I knew that's it. why i asked <laughs> mine's been quite recent so mine was a little while ago, I took my third Dan uh, black belt in kickboxing, and it's it's always a challenge. I don't. I think actually the the first Dan, the second Dan, the third, and whatever your system is for anyone who practices and knows what it's like, you get to that point where you know you're going to be tested, uh, and I think that's a really one of the big reasons why martial arts is so important for everyone. Is I think a lot of people go through life without being tested 
without being pushed to a place of extreme discomfort to see who they're, what they're really made of, see who you really are. Uh, and we had a moment at the very end where we were doing the sparring. Uh, and it was a very familiar place in the sense that my body's finished. Uh, I'm running now on pure willpower and, and spirit at this point. The, the body had nothing left to give. Uh, and you pointed out that you were wearing your dad's uniform uh, and it had his name on it. And I had a real literal Obi-Wan Kenobi moment where it's like he was there in the room uh, with me uh, and he was on the side watching as it, as it happened. And there was this unbelievable stillness in the middle of a very chaotic moment where everyone's screaming and you're punching me in the face and I'm trying to punch you in the face. But in that, in that moment, there was just this crystallizing moment where I was like, this is exactly where I need to be right now. And this is exactly what needs to be happening. Uh, and it was just beautiful because I think those moments are very few and far between in life where you, you just almost, it's an out of body experience. Uh, and, and I just realized, it just reminded me there and then that this is everything that's happened and everything that is, is, is for a reason. Uh, and I'm exactly where I need to be. So that was, that was a real beautiful moment from, from the uh, martial arts for me. Yeah, I, while you were saying it, like, I'll be honest, I'm half listening, half thinking, what am I going to say now? Because I don't do a podcast and be just like, mm, um, yeah, I, I obviously remember that. I'd put that as, you know, one of the highlight reels. I'm going to have to go through a highlight reel. I can't, I can't not say, say a few things. So yeah, yeah. I if I went through the decades of martial arts, I think uh, as, as a kid, I can remember teaching a, uh, a course uh, with probably had a good 500 people in a hall, uh, you know, mixed grade, all ages and everything. And I, I was a kid, so I was like 10, 11 at the most. And I was teaching the whole, whole lot uh, because by that stage I was an accomplished flat belt and everything else. And I can remember thinking, wow, this is cool. Uh, <laughs> I, I, can, I can remember that and uh, yeah. And then I think teenage to like twenties, I think uh, the the exhaustion of working hard at something. Uh, I, I've I've trained past the point of pain and uh, tiredness and all. I, I think those there's just so many great memories of training hard with people and just being absorbed in the in the moment and the same the same common goal and interest. And it might be as simple as just standing toe to toe and punching someone or doing press ups with someone or running up and down the hill. I think those moments of companionship are training together, uh, definitely. Into my uh, 20s was when I had my most uh, success as a martial artist on the sports side of things. And you're saying about the out of body experience, when I won the WACO European Championships in 2002, that whole journey, I had a complete out-of-body experience. It, it, uh, I suppose from that moment, it gave you complete confidence that if you put your mind and body to something, you can, can achieve it. Uh, and then into the 30s, that's where I've now really uh, had the opportunity to uh, see my students, my daughter, uh, do well at martial arts and I've been teaching people long enough now to see them accomplish 
goals that are now accomplishing other people's goals and other and that that that's a, a really really cool thing i can remember uh someone saying once that they can't go into town without meeting someone and they're training kids of their kids and uh all of those kind of things and that's where i've kind of got to now with my martial art journey and that's what that's really 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 cool that uh yeah so i can't pinpoint one one particular memory because there's just like too many to try and filter through. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I to say one wouldn't give justice to another, but sure. decade by decade, that's where where I would say with the martial arts. And going back to what uh, I said about it being a brilliant uh, instrument, uh, I, I was saying actually in our fight club session the other week because we're still at a point right now with a training where we can't do what we want to do, we can't spar, we can't do everything we're, we've got no competitions that we can go to and that kind of thing so it's not stalled but it is effectively and i'm trying to keep everyone engaged and not not let them drop off the journey and i think in the you know the 30 odd years that i've been doing martial arts now there's been at times different nucleus of groups uh i can remember back when i was really young uh and the group that my dad was teaching in and you know the the camaraderie between them uh then i can remember to when my dad broke away and had his own you know what we now have as the skf club that was a different group because we'd broken away from another group and that created a new group uh and then i was saying to the uh fight club uh my you know our weekly students and i was saying how the this is just such another great group again because we're all there for a common common goal and probably it's the most diverse and really successful group overall we've ever had uh, me as a, an instructor with my specific club because we've got young kids got adults we've got girls got boys it's quite a diverse group now and people are doing well and it's like that i think they are some of the best moments uh, you know the traveling the going away the trips the, the late nights the running through the hotels crazy as well as all of what the martial art brings yes so what's Oops. your favorite technique finish it off oh favorite technique we haven't really we've question. only we haven't really talked about kicking Kicks and punches well we no, said we'll it's not much about no. it but yeah we should talk some about it right favorite what's your favorite technique, technique? Oh, I'm going to start. I'm going to let you think about you start. it. Go on. Right. If I if I had to kill someone, I'm <laughs> going. I'm going with a karate chop because it's just movie esque, isn't it? Yeah. It is. So if I had to kill someone, it's going to be the Haito, uh, rather the Shutouchi is going to be. Uh, you know, all the different ways we can work this. I'm going to say so. Killing someone, it's going to go with that to the throat. Uh, if, okay. if I've got to show a movie scene, it's got to be the Van Damme jumping, spinning, split, crescent kick. You know, the, I, I don't think anyone's got a better move than that than in kickboxer. I think think that's there. Uh, and then if you go in sport, even though it's not scored enough now and referees need to be educated, uh, they, there's nothing better than landing a well-timed psychic. Uh, you have no intention of hurting the person, but you have full intent on delivering the best psychic you can that really ends up hurting someone. And you go, 
you go, my foot really hurts, what it must feel like on your face. <laughs> <laughs> so um, a technique that kills, a technique <laughs> that looks the best and the most effective sport technique. Yeah, the free cat. Yeah, yeah, there you go. I managed to free again. I managed to I like it. Again. I like it. Uh, technique to kill, for me, it has to be the palm strike up the nose. Oh, it is. Uh, I've, yes. I've yeah. always liked like, the yeah. idea of putting <laughs> someone's nose into their brain. That's always sounded. I haven't heard that conversation time. for a while, actually. But, okay. <laughs> yeah, when you get that dad come in and go, yeah, can you really? Can you really? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, killer technique, palm strike up the nose. Uh, flash technique, I'll have to give it to Mr. Raymond Daniels with the two-touch spinning kick because he was the yeah. first one I ever saw do that. Uh, and I just thought that's, that's a, if you're going to get someone and just show them, I have just completely dominated you <laughs> in technique. It's because I've just kicked you twice before my feet touch the floor. Yeah, uh, So that one. And then tournament technique, I've always enjoyed both a spinning back kick, mostly as a counter technique, uh, and a sweep. I really oh, enjoy a sweet. sweep. Uh, seeing someone get taken off their feet and, and put on their butt. Uh, I think because it's it really is, is a thing of timing and distance. So there's a beauty in it, isn't there? Yeah, there's there's an art form to it all on itself. Uh, so I've got a lot of appreciation and respect for people who can consistently put people down on the floor with a sweep. Right, I've been enjoying this conversation so much. I want to finish with one thing: a word, a word to sum up martial arts. Then a word to sum up martial arts. So if you had a had a one word, so we've just done the picturegram of three beautiful techniques uh, or effective techniques. One word, if you had to sum up martial arts, if you had to tweet or whatever one word would be. It would have to be, for me, life. Uh, whether it be the literal, it is my life, but also when we talk a lot about metaphors on this show, I think the martial arts holds within it so many lessons and metaphors for life. Uh, so I think you can learn pretty much everything you need to know about life by doing and, and involving yourself in some martial arts. Life. Yeah. Life, I like that. I'm gonna throw a word in, uh, let's say a beautiful life. Uh, I think martial arts is, is beautiful. Uh, and I think we can all look at things that have a beauty to ourselves. And I think some people can look at martial arts and it's an ugly thing and it's not a beautiful thing. Uh, but to me, yeah, if I, for me personally, it's beauty. Yeah, that's where, that's my one word for martial arts. The beautiful life. I love martial it. Martial arts, yeah. <laughs> Dude, well, I, I think we should... Should leave bow it out. right there. Yeah, it was, it was just a short combo, so let's bow out. <laughs> Standing up again. There you go. Nice. Class is finished. Go home. It's one-way system. Sanitize your hands on the way out. Enjoy, guys. If you like to let us know, we'll do part two, because I'm sure we could talk about this stuff till the cows come home. So uh, I think we should have the bell again. For sure. Bell to finish. Lost the bell. Oh, okay. Find ding, the bell. Ding, 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 ding. Well, guys. See you next time.